Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, we did with IVF. We did the one round of IVF. So we, and we luckily had um, four embryos that made it. Uh, seven eggs were retrieved, but four embryos were made. Um, the first transfer did not work for us. So we had to do a second transfer. Um, and that's, that's our daughter now. Welcome to the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. I am your host, Ryan McGuire. This is a podcast where I get to talk with people from all over the world who have a story to share, knowledge and areas that we can learn from and apply to our lives to help us be better, happier people. And this episode personifies that. I had the honor to talk with Alyssa Mackmull, who was extremely vulnerable and got very personal when it comes to her life story. And there's so much we can learn from her journey. She goes into detail about when she realized she was interested in the same sex, the support she received from her family, and the struggles that she had when being honest with her grandparents. We had very different views on that topic. We talk about how she handled that and if she would do anything different. We get into how at the age of 19, she donated her eggs and the entire process behind that. And now she is happily married in a same-sex marriage, and so we talk about that journey and going to the process of them having a child through IVF. So if anyone wants to know more about this or just to be informed, I couldn't think of a better listen than this episode. She goes over what it is, how it works, how they chose their doctors, what the process is, the ups and downs and the stresses that come with IVF, and the financial burden that comes with it as well but also the joys of bringing a child into the world. So first of all, congratulations, Alyssa, on your baby, Elliot. And thank you so much for being so generous and sharing your story. It's extremely personal, but I know I learned so much from it, and I feel like there is so much anyone can learn from this episode. So on this episode, we have Alyssa Mackmull. Alyssa, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing really well. So Alyssa and I go back. We just were discussing a decade now, which is, which is nice. honestly amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's unreal. Where the hell did this decade go? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I met Alyssa was one of the students um, that interned for me when I was working at a college down here in Raleigh. She's a graphic designer, just like myself. Um, she was a big help back in the day. So Alyssa would be in the office a few times a week. So obviously we'd have conversations while she was in the office. And this is going to be a really cool, super cool, informative, and uh, honestly, it's a very personal episode. So Alyssa, I, I thank you for accepting my invitation to do this. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. I imagine a lot of people would probably, I don't know, decline or maybe be uncomfortable. You've been nothing but super happy, um, enthusiastic, and 
I honestly, I can't wait to hear your story. I think it's going to help a lot of people, a lot from many different angles, um, whether it's going to open their eyes, whether it's going to, I don't know, help them in a similar position as you're in. Um, so let's kind of get this started. So I asked you to be on this episode as I know we're friends, so I feel comfortable in asking you because you're in a same-sex marriage. Mm-hmm. And I remember when you were working with me, you were talking about like saving your eggs and the IVF and stuff. So I want to go through that process and just talk about what that is and just inform people um, what your experience like that uh, with that was. So actually in college, um, I, I don't think not necessarily IVF was the conversation, but more so I was an egg donor. So oh, that kind of got, yeah. So that's a whole other segment, but uh, still very relevant to IVF or the procedure that we went through or. We can actually discuss. Yeah. Yeah. Because what I want to do is not just inform myself, which I'm going to be informed a lot in this episode. You're going to hear me ask a lot of questions, but it's also inform people who are listening. Uh, like I said, it's, it's for people who are thinking about doing something similar as you're doing, or just somebody who has no idea. And, yeah. you know, in a time where there's a lot of, I think it's easy to say or safe to say issues going on in the world, a lot of racial issues, uh, you know, a lot of LGBTQ issues. Um, It's just, I think people's eyes need to be open quite a bit. And obviously with the election coming up, it's a big topic. That's not why I'm doing this because of the election, but there's just so many hot topics or, you know, like it's, it's, I think people need to wake up, you know, it's 2020. It's not, 1940 <laughs> anymore. Well, um, so I'm, I'm honestly, I'm really excited to get your story. And like I said, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah. Um, so let's go start with, I guess, kind of the beginning. Um, for anybody who maybe doesn't know if they are more into their same, the same sex as they are, like, what was your experience like growing up that you kind of realized maybe this is something that I'm into that's a little different from others. Well, I mean, it was never um, like a moment that I was like, oh, this is, this means I'm this way or, 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 you know, any specific way. Um, I'd always dated guys in high school. I'd never had a, that I thought was like a feeling towards another female or anything. Um, When I got to college, it was, more of, okay, I can, I can find myself a little more. I have a little more freedom. Not that I didn't have freedom. My, my parents are awesome. Um, and helped me feel very comfortable in being whoever I wanted, however I wanted. Um, so getting to college, had had my friends and brought them home and it just kind of was a, went to my mom and I was like, so, you know, I have this friend, um, but I think I like her more than a friend. And she was like, okay is if she's good to you then i don't care wow that's a lot i imagine a lot of parents a lot of parents don't probably say that so that's pretty awesome Mm -hmm. yeah but my story was a little different you know i've asked my my wife if i can share hers just a little um hers was very different she's a little bit older than myself but um growing up in atlanta um very different or you know parents weren't and family was a little bit more of okay, a little bit, took a little bit more to come around to her and, and what she liked and her mm-hmm. people that she thought were her friends, but really she liked more than friends. So, um, but 
they're wonderful. They're great. They came around eventually, but it just, it definitely is a different, just a different upbringing. And um, like I said, my mom was very open to just me being happy. She didn't care. She didn't care who it was or your race, color, what you identified as. That's as incredible. As as happy and safe. So. Cause one of the reasons we're doing this episode is for people who aren't as open as that. So I know. it was super cool that your, that your uh, mom yeah. or parents were, were both like that. That's pretty incredible. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like I'm not surprised that, you know, your wife grew up with, with a little more resistance. Mm -hmm. um, so you said she's a little older. So I imagine her, maybe her parents are a little older. Um, yeah. I mean, I know, I don't know, age kind of probably plays somewhat of a part in understanding, yeah. you know, being yeah, a little definitely. tolerable what were you thinking internally? Like what was the thought process in your head? I was actually really worried and I was nervous to tell her because I didn't want to act any differently. And I didn't want them to, I don't know, my stepdad was like, you can't have guys over, you can't do this. But then having my girl, like a girl over, it was kind of like a double standard. My sister didn't like it because she couldn't have her boyfriends over, but I could have my girlfriend over. So <laughs> That's awesome. You know, and I respected rules. I, you know, if I was in their house, I still, I still personally made sure that I, I followed the same rules that my sister had to follow. She's younger than myself. So of course she had a little more rules than I did, but mm. um, yeah, I mean. Was there any resistance internally to this? Like I, this isn't, I don't know what's going on here. I, I don't really like this or is it like, you know, I'm cause maybe cause you had support from your parents. It was a little easier. Um, it was easier. It was a little bit of resistance with my grandparents telling me, and a lot of that had to, religion played a lot in that. Um, and I went to church every Sunday with them. We, you know, went for holidays and Christmas and Easter. And um, I just didn't want them because they are so, so important to me. I just didn't want them to um, treat me differently because I'm not mm -hmm. different. I'm the same yeah. person. I'm yeah. not any different. And um, never acted different, whether I had, you know, someone that I liked there or not, whether I had a boy there or a girl there. Um, so I did with my ex, I went probably about five or six years until I officially came out and told them that this is my girlfriend. <laughs> and, um, they, of course I was in South Korea at the time. So it was a, it went a long time before I told them. Um, but I got a lot of emails saying, you know, this isn't right. This mm. is not what we believe in. We can't support you in this. We love you. Please rethink this. And I, I mean, I stood my ground. I loved them and I wanted them to still love me, but I didn't, I was not going to not be happy just because they didn't agree with it. Cause it is age played a big part in that. And you know, they're, their generation, it wasn't okay. And it wasn't, you know. Yeah. I mean, a lot, and a lot of people's current generation is still not okay. You know, yeah. so I'm, I'm hoping your story helps break down some barriers with that. Did you wait till South Korea on purpose? Like, did you, knowing that you were so far away? Well, yeah. I mean, that was a big reason why I actually went was because my ex was also going to be there. We weren't in the same, uh, we weren't in the same place. We were a few hours apart from each other there but you know so she was my comfort going you know my little safe zone so I did intentionally do that so that I could give them some time to come around and um and it it was okay and I, they still emailed me every single week we still chatted and videoed but we just never talked about that part of my life and that then made me uncomfortable more than not telling them 
Yeah. You know, I didn't want to yeah. hide myself. I didn't want to hide my happiness and all that kind of stuff. So if you had to do it all over again, would you do that part any different? Or would you say anything different? Um, I probably would have just introduced her to them sooner and been more open, uh, honest about myself to them because they are so important to me. And, mm -hmm. and my grandfather has since passed. So unfortunately he never got the opportunity to meet my now wife, which he would love her. Yeah. Um, so he I never see your, got, I see your smile. Yep. Yeah. He never got to meet her and she never got to meet him. Um, so that's the only thing that I wish that I would have come out a little sooner. And I think that to them, my mom knew. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm curious for the people that are in your situation, thinking of coming out, talking to people that are acceptance of, accepting of this. Um, is there any advice that you would kind of give them going through what you've gone through? And I, you realize every situation is different. You know, every family yeah. is different. Everybody is different. But maybe there's like some general advice that could help somebody. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, you no one wants to be shunned from their family or, you know, your family for a lot of people is your lifeline, obviously. But um, I, I would just say stick with it. I mean, family will come around. And if they don't, don't stop being who you are. Life yeah. is too short. Don't hold anything back. Don't, don't waste years like I did not, not enjoying every part of my life just because I was afraid that they wouldn't treat me the same. And after those years, they still treated me just the same. They love me just the same. My meemaw loves my wife and she, she tells her she loves her and she wants us to come around more. They call us, they call her for advice on things. So that's great. Yeah. It's great that we have that now. I just would like my advice would be to just don't hold back. No, that's, that's amazing that you had so much support through all of this. Cause like I said, there's a lot of people that just don't have the support that you have and I can't help but think about them and the pressure they're yeah. going through. I mean, you felt some of that with your grandparents and like you were wait, you waited till you're halfway across the world six yeah. years later to break it to them. So yeah. yeah, that's, um, it's a tough situation. And like I said, this is opening my eyes a lot. You know, I've never been in your situation. I'm obviously not going to be in the situation, but Obviously, like like you, I do have friends that are gay, and it's kind of nice to talk about. I never like yeah. you know we've as you know much as we've talked before, we've never had a conversation like this, and a lot of people haven't. It's somewhat you can probably say uncomfortable, but it's great. Yeah. Like when we hang up, I'm going to know you so much better. I'm going to understand <laughs> you so much better, and other people who are listening like are going to understand like their friends probably a little better and some of what they've gone through. Um, yeah. So when you made that kind of public to your family, like at what point and it was either before or after, did you make it like kind of known to your friend, your friend, friend group? Um, well, they kind of knew my, my friends in college knew, they knew <laughs> they <laughs> were together all the time and it wasn't like, Oh, you're acting different or, Oh, I can just tell by how you're walking or what you're wearing. Like that's not always the case, you yeah. know? Um, so they were very supportive and they still treated me the same. So in that sense, I was very thankful too. Um, I, in college, I was worried though to walk around or be more uh, affectionate PDA in public and stuff like that. Um, that was a thing for me to be, because I would see people looking or like, yeah. what are they doing? Or they're not just friends. You know, it's easy for two women to just pass off as friends. And so that's, yeah. you know, I definitely have a, um, 
upper hand, I guess, or a little bit of a leg, a crutch in that sense. But um, I wasn't as comfortable then. And, and I've, like my advice is to just don't hold back. If it makes someone uncomfortable, they won't look. Let them look, yeah. you yeah. know? Yeah. And of um, course, I'm still respectful. I'm not, you know, not yeah. that kind of girl, but. Yeah. So what, what did you do to become more comfortable? Is there any steps you took besides like that switch in your mindset that you just had? Was it just a switch or was it like, like steps that you took to be more comfortable? Um, I think that it was, it was the end of a bad relationship um, with my best friend that, you know, shouldn't have happened. It happened. Um, like I said, we were best friends. So our relationship was just torn all to pieces. Um, and it took that uh, heartbreak and um, all of that to refine myself and, and really analyze what was important to me and, um, and to find, find happiness, find love, find friendship, find all those things again. And I did with my now wife. Um, so, and if I hadn't worked on myself and, and really started to be comfortable with myself. And I just took time for myself. I found my hobbies. I painted more. I spent more time alone and really kind of reflected on things, spent more time with family. And I had the opportunity because my family is so accepting of me. And I know mm -hmm. some people don't have that. Um, but so that helped me. And I was 100% okay with myself, loved myself and everything that came with it to then be comfortable with myself. I can tell doing this interview, you're very like at peace with yeah. who you are. You're very yeah. calm. You're telling your story very happily. There's a smile on your face the entire time. I can tell you found your peace. Um, yeah. And that's, I'm asking these questions because you got there somehow. And there's probably a lot of people listening that are trying to get there. Um, so that's why I was asking if there's any advice or anything you'd like to give those people that are struggling, what would you, what would you say to them? Just be yourself and, you yeah, know, I mean, really it. just be yourself. I mean, there's, there's a lot of resources out there. And then when you feel like all hope is gone or, you know, uh, your family or, you know, grandmother, grandfather, or someone doesn't, you know, is treating you differently. It's only because they just don't understand. And yeah. you can't, you can't change them. Just keep being yourself and keep coming around. Don't give up. Yeah. It's, it's kind of important what you just said, like you can't change them. Like they're at a point where their beliefs are their beliefs. It's yeah. so hard to change their beliefs. Um, yeah. Hopefully you can just get to a point where they're comfortable with it or it is mm -hmm. what it is. You know, they'll probably never completely understand where you're coming from. So you've been through, now you're on your second same sex marriage, which is an interesting perspective. So when was your first one and what date, what year I should say? It was in 2016 and ended 2016. <laughs> so yeah, we need to get out of that one. <laughs> I'm not asking you that for any other reason than I was curious yeah. to know, like if there's been any steps taken since your first marriage to your second marriage as if like, has anything gotten better over the years as far as like acceptance laws, anything like that? Um, not, not quite sure. Um, I didn't get far enough into the process with the first, um, it was so with my best friend, first, first lady love or what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, 
we weren't meant to be together. It just sh shouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and some other things on my end, but, um, I think from that to my current, I just, I really needed to reflect on myself and I really mm -hmm. needed to figure out what, what I wanted, stop, you know, messing around, playing games. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, we all need to do that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And then once I was like, I was really 100% okay with myself. I was living at the beach and the condo, my family's, um, I mean, painting, living, I mean, paint, I was working at a wine and design. So teaching painting classes, doing what I love and, and then my current wife just, just stumbled upon each other. That's, so, that's the best. That's always the best. When I wasn't looking. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately yeah. I'm looking. So maybe that's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> so do you face currently like, what are the obstacles that you currently face? Or, you know, like, you know, people in the same sex marriage or relationships currently are facing that need to be alle alleviated. I mean, I know for one, when we were going through the process of, which I, I guess we'll get into, I don't know if I should do that now, but going through process of IVF and things like that, a lot of things came up with how we went about it um, legally. Like if we had, if I had to adopt legally our daughter, because biologically she's Kristen's, she's my wife's. Mm. Um, even though I carried, so there's a lot of legal stuff that we had to go around. I mean, you know, if you aren't married and things like that, um, that, that you might have to do that people don't know. So, I mean, yeah, let's, let's that, go through that. You touched it. So let's honestly, yeah. cause that's part of this conversation I wanted to have. Let's go through it. Let's go through the whole process about IVF. At what point did you kind of say, all right, this is like for us, we're going to start this. Mm -hmm. Like, what was the process? How did you, how did you know? And then what did you do from there? So once we, shortly after we met, we just, we just knew, we knew we were meant for each other. And so we had talked about marriage and kids and all those things. And she is not, she never did not feel comfortable that she'd be a very positive pregnant person. So I, I want to, I wanted to carry. So that was always our plan. Um, and then we went, we just decided to just go to a fertility clinic and this, this fertility clinic that I went to, I also donated my eggs to for families that are in my situation, our situation now we're in, um, I donated my eggs to families back in college. So yeah, it was cool I, that that's, I was an egg donor. Yeah, yeah, that's what you were doing. So what made you want to do that back in? Oh, I just, I wanted to help families and I knew that I was, I mean, I was a healthy young woman, um, and that I could help. I don't even know how I found out about it. I think maybe I saw an ad for it or something like in social media um, and went and just talked with them. And there was a long process to become an egg donor. I mean, there's certain between certain ages you have to, um, I mean, there's a whole big screening. You have to see a psychologist to make sure that you know that when you donate your eggs, those are not your children, hmm. you know, you know, hmm. there's a lot of stuff. So if they don't feel you're mentally uh, stable for that, then they don't even let you go through the process. And then once you're, you get through all of that, you do all the genetic testing and make sure that you're not a carrier for anything. And if you are that way, um, once they pair maybe my egg up with 
sperm from the from the family or donor sperm or however however that family wants to go through the process. Um, you know, we're not a carrier for cystic fibrosis and, you know, checking all of those things. Um, once you get through that, then they make a profile for you and you get put pictures on there, you know, from when you're a baby up into your an adult or whatever age you are. Um, and you just wait for a family to choose you. And it could be a family that chooses you because they want to create an embryo because the mother can't produce eggs or the father. And, you know, there's a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of things that could go on. Um, so they choose you. And a lot of times they choose you based off of maybe you look like the mom, mm. the mom to be your wife. Um, so that technically baby never even needs to know that yeah. their mom's not biologically their mom. Um, so Anyways, once you get chosen, then you go through the process of um, you have to take start on like birth control pills to make sure that they can control when your cycle is because based off of that, they have to uh, the donor has to egg donor has to start taking ovarian stimulants. So you do there's some medications required and things like that to you're basically telling your body to produce eggs at this time so that we can get the maximum amount. And since women are um, your limited eggs from the time that your tiny little itty bitty egg embryo up until you are no longer here. Um, we only have a certain number. We don't keep creating eggs our whole lives. So, <clears throat> so women can only donate six times, um, to, to limit that. And that way that doesn't uh, decrease your chances or a woman's chance to have their own kids if they choose that at some point in their life. So yeah, did all of those, donated to families. Um, It made me feel good. It made me feel good that I was able to help, whether it was for a heterosexual couple, uh, a gay couple, and they found they're using my egg with their sperm and they have a surrogate or however they choose to start their family. It made me feel good that I could help. That's great that you had such awareness at a, at such a young age. Like I didn't really, I remember you told me, he was like, Hey, I'm going to be missing work to do this. And I thought I was, I was like, Whoa, okay. Whoa. I was expecting like, I, I got a hangover. I'm not coming to work and no. you were doing this. And that's, I'm just sitting, I'm like sitting here listening and I'm learning a lot. This is mm-hmm. amazing. I have a few questions based on what you just said. So I know we've hopped around from donating eggs to IVF. We're on the donating eggs part right now, obviously. So you said six times you can do that. Does that mean six months total is the longest you can go? Like what's, how long is this process? So one cycle is, and they usually, okay. So one cycle is they start you on the birth control pills or however, and they try, and then you have to start taking shots. So from the time that you start taking shots to the egg retrieval, it's maybe at most a week and a half, two weeks. Do you give your own shots or they give you shots? Um, I give, I give myself my own, but you can have someone do it for you. You don't go in and they give you your shots every day. Cause you have to do them every day. Mm-hmm. And they're small, <laughs> super, super, super tiny needle. But for people who are afraid of that, mm-hmm. maybe find someone who can do it for you. <laughs> so. Where is like in the stomach or something? Like where do you give yourself a shot? Yeah. The stomach, it's just a little, just got to pinch your fat and just put it right into the, right into your little stomach fat. Ugh. No big deal. Ugh. <laughs> So you said you took meds and stuff. So mm-hmm. with the medications they gave you, did you feel off? Did you feel sick? Did you have any side effects from any of that? Or did you feel normal? No, 
I felt normal. Um, well, the only thing was that once I started and then you, you go in once you, <clears throat> excuse me, once you start taking the shots and stuff, you go in every about a week after taking the shots, you go in almost every day. So you kind of need to be close to wherever you're doing it um, to do an ultrasound to see how many follicles your body's producing. And then in hoping that every one of those follicles has an egg in it hmm. so they can retrieve them. And then the more eggs you have, the better off for the families. Um, so once you go in and then they're like, okay, well, here's, we have this many eggs or this many follicles. These are the eggs. Um, we're going to retrieve them. I think my last one, I had 15 eggs on each side mm. and I just felt very full, basically like a bunch of grapes were just stuck <laughs> inside. <laughs> I felt crazy, <laughs> but I'm serious. Just felt I believe you. Full. <laughs> so that was it. Um, and then once it was time, they're like, okay, you have to a trigger shot. And so they call it trigger shot. That's to stimulate your ovaries to say, okay, release all of these eggs at this time. So then you go in a certain hours after the trigger shot and they do the retrieval and you do, it's under light anesthesia. So you have to, you sit with an anesthesiologist and then you sign before you go in, they do an IV and stuff. It maybe takes 30 minutes. Mm. You're sitting back in the chair before you know it. And um, there's compensation, of course, and compensation depends on the need, the location, what state you're in, what clinic you go through. Um, so if that's a driving force for some people, it, it's a good one. Um, so, but you have to pay taxes on those. So everyone <laughs> listening, <Of> <laughs> think about that. <laughs> well, how do you um, feel when you wake up or from the anesthesia? Do you feel okay? Or uh, I felt okay. I was a little, um, I do remember flirting with the anesthesiologist and my mom. Oh. It, so that was fun. He thought it was funny too. So that could have gone viral on YouTube. <laughs> Man. It was good. It was good. But nothing um, grog, it's a little groggy. Um, they tell you just to kind of go home and rest for the day. But after that, back to work, back to exercising, back yeah. to whatever you're doing. So. Awesome. That's great. So do people ever, I'm listening to you talk, do people save eggs for themselves like later in the future? Oh yeah. Um, so that was one with, if, if we can move into my, um, my wife with her age, she's 30, she'll be 36 this year. She's going to hate me for telling you all that. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) um, she was at the point where, you know, the older that you get, your ovarian reserve is gets lower. And, and so a lot of women, I think her age, and I know a few of them, so I'm going to speak on my experience, but, um, do go in and, and freeze their eggs for that reason. So, and they would go through the same process of an egg retrieval that I just explained for donating your eggs of going through and taking the medications, doing the retrieval, and then you would then just pay for them to um, freeze them, to hold them in the tank at the clinic or wherever. So this is, I don't know, this question is kind of weird, but like, do they, do they charge like a monthly fee for that or a yearly fee? Like how does that work? Mm -hmm. The place that I went to is $500 a year. Okay. Which is expensive, but at the same time for what it is, it's not. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like at what what point is too old for women to be like, my egg is still sitting there and like. Uh, They can be there forever. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. At that point though, you, you then, you have to probably do some sort of assessment and they'll see if your uterus can then carry 
an embryo. And if not, then they talk about other options like surrogacy and stuff like that. So, but you could, I mean, women of, of older ages, I'm going to say old, but of older ages, you know, can still be very healthy and still be, and still be able to carry, you know, I've seen stories of grandmas caring for their daughters because their daughter couldn't. So carrying their grandchild basically. Wow. So it's just depends on the person and their health and what their body can handle. This is, yeah, this is amazing. I mean, I'm, you know, being single, I'm not married. Like I know that plays a part in this. I should be, I shouldn't know more of this, but this is great. This is super eye-opening. I'm learning a lot. Um, and so let's talk about IVF. So what, let's, let's roll into that. Like I said, I know we kind of got off track, but this is, that was great. So the whole IVF thing, you said you just kind of knew you, you went with it. So what was yeah. the process with that? So, um, and we didn't get too much off track because the whole egg donation thing, the egg retrieval plays part in how we chose to do IVF. So we decided that we were going to go talk to this clinic and just kind of get a, an idea of uh, what our options are. Um, knowing that Kristen didn't want to carry, that she would if she had to, um, but that I really wanted to. So that was our plan. Um, so they decided to just do a, there's other ways you could, so we had to do IVF because we're two women. So we had to, um, can you explain real quick what IVF is for the people that don't know? Yeah. IVF is in vitro fertilization. So basically they just take eggs and then they take the sperm that you buy donor sperm, or you could a friend or whatever your situation. How does that worm work as worm? How does that work as far as sperm? Like, so how do you choose that? Do you choose that? I imagine you choose that, right? Yeah. So you just find a, um, sperm, clinic or I don't even know right what the right word is. Bank. Bank, bank? Right? There we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. Sperm bank. Um, and there's, there's some really good ones. Definitely do your research because there are some that don't have great reps. Um, so we chose ours and then you basically have to pay for a subscription is what it is. And you can choose to look at narrow down by, you can choose the donor's eye color, hair color, height, if they have kids, what their siblings, how many siblings, male or female siblings, what their family medical history is, because they show and have to show everything. And you have to, you see all their genetic testing that they're done. You can check, you can hear their voices. You can um, wow. see their personal statements that they write. Um, you can see baby pictures, adult pictures. There are so many things that you can choose from and use as criteria. Um, when we chose, we decided, we, there were certain things that we had to choose because when on our journey, we decided that, I feel like I'm gonna have to back up and go back and forth, yeah, but um, our journey we chose because we did our tests and stuff and we decided that reciprocal IVF was what we wanted to do. Reciprocal IVF just means that I was gonna carry Kristen's embryo her egg mixed mm-hmm. with the sperm that we chose mm-hmm. they made an embryo little m baby um they that was formed with the embryologist at the clinic until they were ready and we still have two that are frozen there so um they once i was going to carry so that's reciprocal is that i'm carrying someone else's egg and sperm so that way we both played a big part in our daughter you know, yeah, it's her, yeah. it's her DNA and her genes, but my blood is what 
made her. It was what, you know, kept and grew her. So um, because it was Kristen's egg, we had to choose a, a, a sperm donor who was, and I don't know the actual, what this actually means, but CMV negative, um, you're either negative or positive. And I'm, I'm honestly not sure what it is. So might have to look it up and I can let you know later. Um, but we had to choose one that was like Kristen or, or would have rejected the egg. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the sperm and the egg wouldn't have, it wouldn't have worked as well. I mean, it might have, but our chances would have been a little less. Um, we also, what are, chose, if I can hold you there, what are the chances? Let's just say you choose, you choose everything up to succeed the best it possibly can. Are, are the, I imagine the chances are still not hundred percent. Right? No, I think there were only like maybe 25%. At its, at its highest is 25. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Especially. So, mm -hmm. Is this a process that people have to go through multiple times in order yeah, we did with IVF, we did the one round of IVF. So we, and we luckily had um, four embryos that made it. Uh, seven eggs were retrieved, but four embryos were made. Um, the first transfer did not work for us. So we mm -hmm. had to do a second transfer. Um, and that's, that's our daughter now. So at what point do you know it didn't work? How does, I mean, I know it's a negative, but I'm just curious. Yeah, so there it's called the two week wait. It's uh everyone in the IVF world, two week wait. Um they so you have to it's only 10 days, it's not a full two weeks. Ten days after the transfer, and they tell you just to go home and there's all these like old wives' tales of you know, keep your feet warm, eat pineapple, do the you know, do these things. Don't it's do not, jumping jacks. <laughs> you know, but it's not like you would think to go and put your legs above your head and lay on the couch, like yeah that's, you know, still go about your day, what your normal life. Um, and then 10 days later you go in just for pregnancy tests and it was just negative. Mm. So they wanted to give us after that one was negative, they wanted to give us some time to just relax, take mm. a breather, take a breather for medication because Kristen had to be, get on medication. As I had explained before, she had to do the medicine as though she was an egg donor, like mm. I had done back in college. So mm ovarian stimulants they needed to see how many follicles she had and then they did an egg retrieval and then they started making the embryos and then while all of that's happening i was also taking medication and giving myself shots um to prepare my body for an embryo so that my okay. body thought that i like to tell my body that i'm pregnant okay here's a baby hold it keep yeah. it safe yeah so I had to take um, estrogen, progesterone, and um, estrogen was just a pill tablet. Um, progesterone was a shot, very big shot that I had to give myself in like the upper mus upper buttocks muscle, and is that the maximus, minus maximus? Um, <laughs> very sore. <laughs> um, but that, there's also another way that you can have that medication as well. Um, so yeah, after all that medication. They wanted to give my body a break, kind of like get get medication out of my system to start it, start the medication again to do the second transfer. How long of a break was that? Was that a mental hurdle you had to get over? Like, I'm sure that's kind of a disappointment. Yeah, I, I was, you know, I was like, I did everything I thought I was supposed to, you know, of mm -hmm. course I blamed myself, um, got the news and I went home and I drank a lot <laughs> and then I was very sad. Yeah. Um, Kristen and I both, and then we just kind of picked ourselves back up. Like, okay, we're going to try it again. And she let me make that decision. She, she said we could have waited as long as I needed to, if my, 
wanted to give my body more of a rest or whatever. You picked a um, good one. Yeah, <laughs> she is. Um, so we just waited, I think it was about maybe a month. Um, okay. and then just started the medicine again and then, and tried again. And here we are. What's the soonest you could have started after that? Do you know? I think it was a month. They wanted you to give you a month to, um, have a menstrual cycle and then, start the medication, start birth control medications, estrogen and everything to kind of control it so that they knew when my body would naturally prepare for an egg embryo, yeah. you know, to. You kind of just went over a bunch of ups and downs. So like, is, was there any more ups and downs that you want to make aware for anybody who's thinking of doing this uh, to be prepared for? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely the whole process is a lot from, um, you know, you've heard some of mine, but going through this process, like I said, Kristen, she had to take medication and as though she's an egg donor, she was donating her eggs to make an embryo to then implant inside of myself. Um, because of her age, so this is another touchy subject because of her age, she was told, and we did, um, I can't remember the name of this test either they wanted to do this test on her to make to check her ovarian reserve because okay. and i not want to scare anybody but because she's mid-30s they were like you know your eggs could be a little little more minimal so got the test done and they told her that um if they're able to get any eggs it's not going to be many so you should now think fast we need to do you first you're going to be the one i think you know, you need to make a decision soon. We need to use your eggs first because originally we were going to do IUI, which is intrauterine insemination. Um, and that's just when uh, donor sperm would have just been inserted into me mm -hmm. and then it created, naturally create an embryo. Um, so why instead, did you choose, why did you choose the other? We chose the other because we were, she was like, we wanted kids and we wanted to eventually have, we were going to do mine first and then mm -hmm. do hers second. Um, I was still going to carry, but we're like, well, let's do reciprocal because we need to go ahead and get your eggs out now okay. and get as many as we can because your limits, she's limited. And even if she were, which we were thankfully able to get four good embryos, little in babies, um, there was a chance that her body wouldn't have been able to carry those embryos either. Her body mm. probably would have rejected them or made, you know, a miscarriage is, is a lot higher. Yeah. The, the um, higher your age is or older you get, those are all big factors um, between those birth defects, um, chromosomal abnormalities, you know, all, all of those are things that are factors that you have to think about. Unfortunately, and I know that Sometimes with heterosexual couples, you don't, those things aren't thoughts for you because it can happen so naturally and it can happen without planning. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of planning that's involved for, and, and heterosexual as well, but if for people who have um, hard time conceiving and things like that, there is a lot more planning when having to go to, you know, infertility issues and stuff. So a lot of things can happen and all of that stress I just wrote down the word stress. Yeah. I was like, did you, I imagine you guys went through a lot of stress. Oh yeah. A lot of stress from everything. And that's what was making things more difficult. So the first time we went through her almost week and a half of her and her medication and she didn't have, but maybe four 
four, maybe follicles. And the doctor, we were sad. We we're like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Like they, they thought maybe we should stop the cycle, just stop don't do a retrieval and then just try again in a few months because something wasn't working. The medicine wasn't, it wasn't triggering her body to produce eggs or um, follicles. Um, So he was like, no, we're going to keep going. We're going to, we're going to keep going. And our doctor was amazing. Um, He said, just, just take a chill pill for a second. I know that's easier said than done. So her and I went home that night. She had a good full glass of wine relaxed. We just calm, chilled for a second. The next day bumped right up to like 11. It was 11. And then we're like, all right, we're doing the trigger shot. What was the name of the wine? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm sure people want to know what she drank. (laughs) No, it was just because stress does play a big part in it. And she was able to just relax even for a few hours, even just for the night, just able to relax. So that helped her body you know, we were able to get, get 11, seven of them were able to be retrieved and then four of them made it to be embryos. Awesome. That's so, so cool. Good for yeah, you guys. So a lot of stress. So just, did you, did you face, I know we talked about obstacles being in a same sex marriage. Was there any kind of big obstacles with IVF as far as being two women? Like as far as like legally yeah. from the doctors you went to or, or anything you faced? Well, there was a lot of paperwork we had to sign um, of if we were to separate because when we started the IVF process, we weren't married yet. Um, mm. We had told them we're we are going to be married before this process is over, before we have a child and all that kind of stuff. We're just not right now legally. So um, a lot of paperwork we had to sign stating if we were to separate, who gets the embryos, who gets the baby, who gets to make the decision. Um, if we have embryos left, do we want to donate the embryos? So that's another option for families as well. You can have a donated embryo where you don't know the two biological uh, donors for those. You just, you have an embryo and you just trust that you want to start your family. So here's an option. Um, if, if we wanted to donate embryos, if we didn't need them anymore, or would we want to just get rid of them? Like all these things we had to sign and, you know, legal things and issues that we had to do. Um, and then we decided to get married before our daughter was born so that we could all have the same last name on the birth certificate so mm-hmm. that we wouldn't have to go through. We were planning to get married anyways. We didn't get married just because we had her. Um, but that way we wouldn't have to go through a like, legally me having to legally adopt her because I would have no rights if we weren't married, mm-hmm. even though I'm the one that carried her and she's my daughter, Kristen would have all the rights because it's her bi- biologically hers. Okay. Yeah, this is all really good, really good information. A lot of details that anybody Lots who's that. thinking about this is like, Oh, maybe I didn't realize that. Or that's really yeah. good to know ahead of time. Obviously I, my eyes are being open wide with this conversation um, did you think about adoption whatsoever? Um, I'm just kind of curious if you did and like what, yeah. what your feedback We've was thought about it. I mean, it's still something that's on our mind. Um, so we are going to try again. We're going to try IUI next time so we can try using my eggs. Um, but adoption is definitely on the plate for us. I do. I'm not 100% sure, but I do know that some states and some places it's harder for same-sex couples to I was wondering adopt that. and the legal issues and it takes a lot longer 
So um, I don't know any of that stuff yet. We haven't gone through that. We have talked about it and it's on the table, but we haven't been able to dive into all of that just yet. I was wondering that North Carolina, I know can be like hit or miss on a lot of that stuff. A lot of times we're far behind. Well, uh, along the Bible belt, I'm sure it's going to be a little, a little hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This isn't like Colorado or California here. Yeah. Um, so that's why I was wondering, cause if you did fi- uh, face some, some struggles for some hard times with that, I was curious to know what they would mm-hmm. be. Um, as far as like the IVF, What's the process of going through it? Like, do you contact your insurance? Um, how does that all work? So um, that just depends depends on your insurance. And I had really great insurance. And because Chris and I weren't married, I used mine. She had her own. Um, so our insurance, her insurance at the time covered IUI, but we weren't doing IUI. And even mm. so, she wasn't going through the, she wouldn't be going through the IUI process so it would have covered hers. My insurance didn't cover IUI or IVF, but my insurance covered blood work and a few of the ultrasounds and things like that were able to be covered under my insurance. Um, So some of my medication was covered, some of it wasn't, none of Kristen's was covered under her insurance, so a lot majority of the whole IVF process was paid out of pocket. I mean, every doctor's visit was, and it could be by, by patient case or, or however. Um, but every doctor's visit was about $300 out of pocket just for a doctor's visit. Wow. And some people's insurance covers it. So I know that military, I know covers, um, can't speak for all, I guess, but I've heard, I have some friends, um, military covers IUI. Mm. Um, if they do things on bases, but I don't know, you know, it just depends on your insurance and what you have. Um, mm. make sure you get a really good, you know, high deductible or whatever. <laughs> just look Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking for anybody who's thinking about doing yeah. this one, make sure your insurance covers it too. If not yes. save up, obviously yes. <laughs> save up. Cause this is not a cheap process. It, at the end of the day, it's obviously worth it. You're getting mm-hmm. the greatest present of all time. Um, yeah, that's obviously something you have to consider when it costs that yeah. much money. Like, we don't have to go into details, but I know you said like 300 per doctor's visit. How many doctor's visits this are you talking about? Like double, beyond double digits here? Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. I could comfortably, you know, comfortably say, I guess, approximately we spent maybe about 35 or so. Okay, so you're paying for college before the baby's born. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's just, and, and, Fortunately for us, we just did one IVF and then we had to do it two transfers. Uh, well, one transfer was covered in that first initial cost and then we had to do a second transfer. But for, you know, my heart goes out to all these families and, and women even who are doing it by themselves, whether you're in a same sex relationship or not, or heterosexual, mm-hmm. whatever, um, who have to do multiple IVF processes or don't get as many embryos and, you know, Unfortunately, and another thing that's stressful and could be, um, you know, a factor in all this is you could think that you have, you know, 11 or embryos or whatever, and then they go and retrieve and really you only have seven, but some women, when it gets down to like time to your embryos aren't making it and you might have one embryo left one, and that's your Mm. one shot that you have to try and do a transfer. And then when that one, one shot doesn't work, 
you're back to square one and it's not just paying for a transfer, it's paying for the whole process. Mm. And then at some point you're stressing and your body can't naturally do what it wants if you're stressed. Right. So. Wow. That's, um, that's a tough one. Yeah. That's, how do you not stress about that? Exactly. Yeah. It is tough. It's tough, but, um, there's a lot of resources out there for sure. And, um, the, the place that we went through was the same place I went through and did my egg donations back in college. Um, they have a lot of stuff, a lot of resources that they, they offer to people and, um, free consultations every once in a while. Like there's a lot of things and, and places. So it's definitely worth looking into and just. Are there any, are, are there any resources you would share to anybody who's listening? Is there anything in particular you're thinking of or? I mean, I, we went through Carolina conceptions, um, in Raleigh. So, I mean, I would start there. I love them. All of the doctors there are amazing. Every single one of the nurses, every member of the staff, they're all so sweet and welcoming. And from the very first day I stepped foot in there in college to the last day that we were there, and they still keep up with us now, like even afterwards, oh, nice. after our process is done. And once you do, if, if you do have a confirmed pregnancy, they stay with you until you're in the safe zone. And that safe zone is out of that first trimester, basically. Um, cause you know, unfortunate things can happen in that first trimester. Mm -hmm. So once, once you're done that you go to your OB, your, um, gynecologist, obstetrician, um, they stay with you the whole way and, um, they're, they're awesome. And, and I know that some of the doctors there host seminars and webinars and free talks and things like that. And they have some podcasts and things as well that you can just listen in on. And they have a lot of information on their website for whether you want to freeze your eggs or embryo donations or IVF, IUI. There's a lot of um, resources for same-sex couples, for lesbians, for if you're gay or however, um, other options and ways around things. That way both partners can feel just as much involved as the other, as if you were in a traditional relationship so this sounds like you picked a fantastic place like yeah, what were you, when you were looking for places i mean i guess did you just go because you went there when you were younger like what were you looking for what are the key points you're like yeah this is the place to be well i when, I, when we started talking about it i was like well you know i think that we should start here i don't know of any other places i mm -hmm. i honestly didn't do any other research and look for other places i, I felt so comfortable and how i was treated in the process of it all and I felt like welcoming, welcome there. I didn't feel, um, you know, weird. I didn't have any bad feelings, I guess. Um, so we just, we started there and we, we were comfortable there and they made us feel very, very, very open. They gave us all the options that we had. And I mean, told us all the financial stuff right up front. There was no, there were no hidden fees anywhere. There was, there was nothing. And even with, my wife now and I, at the time we weren't married. Um, it, I didn't feel like, I don't know. I didn't, it didn't make me feel uncomfortable to talk about it. They made mm -hmm. us feel like, okay, you're, you're wanting to start a family. Here are the things that you need to know. These are all the possibilities here. You're, I mean, they tell you all the chances and the percentages and everything. So just take the time. If I would start there, we did start there. Um, <laughs> that would be my advice. Uh, to just go talk to somebody and set up a, an appointment just to go speak with them. So for anyone who's around the country looking for a place such as this, you would say like comfort is your number one key, like make sure you feel comfortable. 
yeah, definitely make sure you feel comfortable. Um, obviously your insurance needs to be covered. Your insurance needs to be covered there. Um, but yeah, I would say, you, you, you know, you have a feeling if the doctors, how you, how they make you feel when you're there. As soon as you step in the place, if you have a bad feeling, then you don't have to say, go find yeah. somewhere else, you know? So um, yeah, no, keep going. What were you going to say? Oh, well, the place that we went to, they have, um, we also chose, decided another big factor was they have an office in Wilmington as well. So Kristen's family is from Wilmington area. So we knew if we needed to, we could go to either of the offices. So great. Okay. That, that's a great point. That's something to think about too. Mm -hmm. So from start to finish, what was like the timeline of, of all of this that someone could expect? We started something like that, but we started the October before. Um, with speaking with them, the very first time we spoke with them was October of 2018. Okay. Um, so to speak with them and then we just kind of had to get like finances kind of settled and, and what our um, process was, test results. We did some genetic testing. Um, we did genetic testing on the embryos. Um, other options for uh, you could do I mean, there's a lot of stuff. You can even figure out what the sex of the gender of embryos are. So if that's a big thing for people, you can find out if you have boys or girls before you even do transfers. I'm guessing you chose an Olympian, an Olympian genes. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who could dunk a basketball at the age of 10. <laughs> no. you know, oh, she'll be a genius. Uh, she'll be the one yeah. that did run Apple. Um, because this is, this is such a personal podcast and I can't thank you enough for, for doing this. I want to talk about your baby. Like, let's, let's get into that for a minute. Like, how did you choose the name? Like, where did that come from? I know this isn't um, personal to you, so I'd, I'd love for you to look back on this. <laughs> um, her name is Elliot Maddox. Um, we wanted a name that when someone heard it, they weren't like, oh, she's a, she's a girl, you know, like we didn't ever want her to be pigeonholed in this world that we live in mm, with anything. That makes sense. Um, I wanted a good, strong name that you just, they would, you know, look at her credentials or look at what she's done and not, Oh, you know, here's her name. We, we can automatically, and unfortunately it happens, you know, mm. it's not like it's something you want, but someone sees a name and they're like, okay, I can already kind of tell who she's going to be or what she's going to be like or, yeah. or him or her. Um, so we chose Elliot Maddox and it kind of just, we heard and we're like, that's it. We also chose an M middle name because me, all the women in my side of the family have M middle names. So yeah. it just fit. Super cool. It seems like it was a really overall, obviously stressful, but a really positive, very good experience for you. Yeah. Do you, you have plans on doing this again? Um, we're we're going to try IUI next time. All right, um, all next right. next year, but yeah, we're so it's not going to be as extraneous. Um, we're gonna we have to find more um, donor sperm and all that good stuff. Um, still go through the shots and medications and everything, and prepare my body again. So mm -hmm. I'm going to run a marathon first, oh, and yeah. then I'll prepare for that. <laughs> What's, what's tougher, a marathon? <laughs> um, so I know you said 25% chance for the reciprocal. Is it 25%? Is that the same or what's, what are the chances with the I think IUI? It might, I mean, I'm not really sure. I think they're very similar um, only because with, with IVF, it's a little bit higher because embryos are already made. 
with IUI, you're just hoping that your body is relaxed enough to take take both of these things and hopefully create a little embryo baby. So, but it's a lot financially, it's less than a lot less than IVF. So that's good to know. Yeah. I, I feel like it's important to say, be prepared for the worst with these percentages are kind of low, you know, yeah. less than 50 fit beyond less than 50, 50 mm-hmm. is mentally be in a good place and prepare yourself in case it doesn't work the way you wanted it to on try mm-hmm. one. Yep. Um, you know, it's awesome. You got a second chance at it and I'm so happy for you that it worked and, yeah. um, you know, it, it kind of comes full circle being in the same sex marriage. It like, doesn't really matter. Like you guys are so happy and I can tell already that you guys are such good parents. You know, that's what matters. Yeah. Yes. You know, exactly. that is what matters. Like it doesn't matter. Male, female, male, male, yeah. female, female, like, that kid's going to grow up in a loving household. Oh yeah. And she feels it already. That's, you know, and I really wish, cause I'm, I positive in the world we grew up and that uh, I'm sure you guys probably get looks in public or people find your Instagram and they judge you. And you know, like I, I'm, I'm recording a podcast like this to, I don't know, try to help alleviate some of that. Obviously we're not going to eliminate it. Um, but I feel like your story, your personality, how positive you are, like that all shine through during this conversation. Um, and I I can't say it enough. That's like all that matters. (laughs) It really is, you know, like you're happy. The baby's growing up in a great household, got great parents. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think, I mean, I like to think I'm very mentally strong. And I know that a lot of women do struggle and couples struggle, whether you're heterosexual or you're in a same-sex relationship or marriage. Um, but I think you just have to remember that it's your happiness, not anybody else's. And if, you know, that if, it is, does matter for the child that they're just, they're loved, they're safe, they're loved, they're taken care of. And they know, and they sense that they have, like Elliot knows that she's got two moms that love her mm-hmm. and she goes to both of us equally. It's not like she chooses one or the other. She's very, very comfortable and safe with the both of us. So I just hope that other people, you know, find that and they can, I don't know, come at peace with themselves to, um, to know that it doesn't matter what males thinks they're not paying your bills. They're not doing anything for you. It doesn't matter. How did you feel going back to when you told your grandparents, cause they seem like the biggest obstacle. How did you feel? Did you feel better? Like, okay, that's how I feel better. Like a weight was lifted or was it on your mind? Yeah. Yeah, definitely a big, big weight was lifted and I didn't have to hide that part of me anymore. And it wasn't like I, like I said, I don't act different. I never acted different of who I've dated or brought there. Um, but I just didn't want them to treat me different. I didn't want them to see me differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, but now, I mean, I'm glad that, and they love, they, she, my me, mom, my papa's house, yeah. but, um, loves our daughter, loves Kristen. They, she calls us all the time, tells us she misses us. 
you know, that's, that's great. Wants us to come around. And I mean, they, they definitely acknowledge her as my wife, my spouse, the mother, the other mother of Elliot. Um, and that's all I could have hoped for, wished for. So that's great. Like, it seems like you've had a lot of support, which is amazing. Like I said, a lot of people don't, but I feel like because of your story with your grandparents, I feel like you gave a listener probably a tool or tools to overcome a situation like that. Um, you know, so. or you can just go to South Korea and send them an email. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you just do that. Um, I mean, it was hard for me. I mean, it definitely wore on me. So I'd, I hope that anyone listening doesn't think, oh, she's had it easy. Cause I've had it. I've, I have a lot of anxiety about things and you know, it's been tough, but I had to, I had to tell myself every day that I'm in charge of myself and my happiness and, and, and our life and no one else's. And if I, if I continue to live my life based off of what other people think, I am going to be so sad always. You and know, that goes always beyond, that goes beyond this. Cause I've, yeah. uh, with my podcast experience, like a lot of my listeners, that's what we get to. We get to stop caring what other people think, you yeah, know, whether exactly. it's like social media or out in public or the textbook of life you think you should follow. Like nobody yeah. follows that textbook. There is no textbook, <laughs> no. you know, and it's awesome. You figure that out at an early age at, on a very big subject, mm-hmm. you know, this wasn't you choosing a college that your parents didn't want you to go right. to. This is a, <laughs> this is a big, you know, like, yeah, yeah so you chose that a, a really young age to confront this and be mentally strong about this. And like, I, I, I know for a fact your story and your positivity and your energy, the way you came off gave at least somebody the tool to deal with what they're dealing with. That's not feel uncomfortable. And one thing I asked you, I know before this episode um, began was, you know, Obviously, a lot of my podcasts, we pub websites and the social media accounts and blah, blah, blah. I can post your social media account on this Instagram post. And if someone wants to reach out to you, if they have any questions, you said you'd be more than happy to help, which I think is freaking awesome because this podcast has been beyond personal. Um, It has been such a help to probably so many people. It opened my eyes a lot. I understand the process now. It's one of those things I heard of. I know people are doing it. I never really dug deep into it. I get it now. I I get it now. This is probably no joke going to be a podcast that I actually go back to and listen to. And remember if if I'm in that situation or friends are going through it or family, like I'll go back and listen to this and reaform myself in case I forget something. Good. This yeah, is so there's so good. much. There's so much that you don't know. And you hear IVF and IUI and you're like, oh, okay, I know those terms, but I know what the essentially what it does. You know, people have used words for IVF, you know, like test tube baby and weird things like that. But yeah. you know, that's all I knew before going through this process. And then now mm-hmm. um afterwards, it's so much. It's it's crazy too what the human body can do. So. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a great thing to, you know, if somebody's listened to this before they're actually kind of starting to think mm-hmm. about it, this is a great episode to listen to because there's a lot of fine information, a lot of details. Maybe they didn't think of, or maybe they yeah. just didn't know. So instead of going through it themselves and finding out and being shocked, here's a little bit of a guide for you and what to expect and how to feel. Absolutely. This was honestly, like such a powerful episode you were super personal and you could have easily said no. And I would have understood. So I was nervous. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't come out like that. 
<laughs> only because I just want, I want, I want our story to be helpful. And I didn't want, like I said, to someone to say, oh, well, I had it easy. And yeah, I had some things a little easier than others, I guess, but I'm hoping that it at least helps. I think it helps at least one or two people, I guess that's. Yeah. The thing I liked about your story that intrigued me, I'm not going to lie. When I first started this, I'm not kidding. You were one of the top people I thought of having on here. Um, it took me like a month or two to be like, I want to, I want to ask you to do this. Cause this, it's a, like I said, this, this, this is a tougher, I guess, episode. Yeah. It's a very personal episode. I want to make sure I did it properly. Um, but yeah, there, you have a story that I feel like either somebody can relate to or somebody should know about, you know, like you. whether their friend is gay or they they're or they're judging you know like they judge mm -hmm. gay people like stop yeah. just stop you're you're as human as anybody else yeah. to know, know the struggles that it's not something that and not to diminish the love that some you know heterosexual couples have most of them whatever um but a lot of a lot of it goes into trying to start a family and then processes and it's it is heartbreaking sometimes that we just want to we want a family we want to love something more than we love ourselves and I would do anything and I would do it all over again and I'll keep doing it. If I can have all the sweet little babes like that uh, one upstairs. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Like I said, I expect to see her in the Olympics in yeah. 2040. <laughs> maybe, maybe 2040. Right. Carrying the She'll torch for America. in 2040. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, I mean, I think this is a great time to wrap it up. Like I said, I can't thank you enough. Your story was yeah. super personal. Like I said, anybody listening to this, please leave feedback. You can contact Alyssa. She's mm -hmm. freaking awesome. Obviously, if she's willing to talk to me and put this out there, she's willing to talk to you and, and give you some help. And that's just super cool. Um, as always, you can find me on Instagram at the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. You'll see this story posted. I'll, I'll link her Instagram in there. You can click on that. You can follow her, see her beautiful baby. Um, it's so it's honestly like, I can't be any more impressed and thrilled that you did this with me. This was personally an awesome episode for me and Thank I learned so much. Me. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Alyssa. And uh, everyone will catch you on the next episode. Bye.